Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Cokesbury United Methodist Church here in beautiful Woodbridge, Virginia for this Ascension Sunday. Uh, today is a day where Christians across the world uh, celebrate the ascension of Jesus to God, uh, to being at the right hand of God the Father. It's a really, really important liturgical day throughout the liturgical calendar, and yet it's one that uh, either churches don't observe or don't talk about. We like to lift up these other holy days. We like to think about Christmas and Easter and all sorts of other fun things that happen in the life of the church. And for some reason, ascension is kind of low on the priority list, but it's so important. It helps us to think about, uh, you know, where Jesus, in a sense, goes, even though it's not really about physical place. It helps us to think about Jesus as the Lord, not just over our lives, but as Lord over the cosmos. It's a really, really important day. And I'm grateful to be here and to be leading worship today, whether you're joining us on Facebook or on YouTube, uh, to learn more about who God is and who we are in relation to God. I want to share just a, a few announcements about things that are going on in the life of our church. Uh, some of you may uh, understand or know that uh, other churches are starting to reopen to investigate whether or not that is safe and proper to do so in United Methodism here in Virginia, there are a few churches that are being called pioneer churches that are opening this Sunday for the first time in a long time to have social distanced worship. Uh, people will be wearing masks and gloves and there's a whole bunch of precautions being set in place. Uh, Cokesbury is not one of those churches and we won't be opening for in-person worship for uh, the foreseeable future. The zip code this church finds itself in has more cases of COVID-19 than any other part of the state. We have to be very, very careful about uh, thinking about what it means to reopen. And so we're waiting for other pioneer churches to sort of investigate this, share their findings with us, so that we can then discern what's the, nest, the next best uh, option for us going forward. Until that time, we're going to continue to provide uh, meaningful, life-giving, uplifting, faithful uh, worship online as we've been doing these last eight or nine weeks, however long it's been. Uh, if you're interested in knowing more uh, of, about how to connect with our church, we have a weekly Bible study we've been offering online every Wednesday at two in the afternoon. Uh, we've been going through different scriptures, and it's, I'm leading it with a few other pastors from across the country, and uh, it's available through our uh, church Facebook page. We've been sending out emails with devotionals and prayers and other things like that, and also reminding people as much as they're able to give with glad and generous hearts to help the ministries of this church so that we might continue to reach out to the last, least lost, and little, even in a time such as this. So if you want to know more, you can check it out on our church website or on our church Facebook page. Uh, those are great ways to find out who we are and what we're doing and what we're offering. Uh, with I also um, want to start today with a story. I grew up listening to uh, and watching Jesus Christ Superstar. Jesus Christ Superstar. I think I might know every word to every song in the musical. Anyway, uh, grew up listening to it as a kid, watching the movie with my uh, family, and I had the opportunity when I was in college to get to go see a live production of Jesus Christ Superstar in D.C. with my family. And so we went to go see it, and one of the reasons we really wanted to see this particular production was that Ted Neely was reprising his role as Jesus. Ted Neely played Jesus in the live-action film version in the 70s, and he hadn't played the part in a long time, and he was coming back. We were really excited. So we go into D.C. to watch Jesus Christ Superstar with Ted Neely, and it was a great production. Uh, it was just really, really powerful, 
it was really hard for me to not sing along out loud because I'm used to doing that at home, but didn't feel like it was appropriate in the theater. And at the end, and this is no spoiler because it's the end of Jesus's life, uh, they kind of, you can't really see what's happening, but it's clear that his, his clothing is being sort of torn off and uh, they're, they're laying him down. It's very dark and you can hear the, the hammer and the nails or presumably you know, like nailing him to the cross. And all of a sudden the, the cross gets lifted up in the darkness and then out of nowhere, boom, the lights come on. And it, pastoral confession, it took everything in me to not laugh out loud in the middle of the theater. And, and, and the reason I was fighting against myself from laughing is because Ted Neely was like 70 years old. And he was wearing a loincloth that looked more like a Depends diaper. And he was just kind of old and hanging up there on a cross. And, you know, we're used to seeing young, youthful Jesus. And it was just so strikingly different than everything I've thought about and imagined that it made me want to laugh. I felt terrible, like, shaking with laughter in the theater. And I felt, like, really guilty about it for a long time. I mean, I laughed at our Lord being crucified. Except I thought about it more and more years later about how, you know, Christians, we tend to take ourselves a little too seriously sometimes. And laughing, even at our own faith, can be a good, healthy, important thing. It reminds us that we're no better than anybody else, that it's okay to not take ourselves so seriously all the time. And I share that because today is a day where I want us to maybe laugh, uh, to not take ourselves too seriously. And you'll hopefully understand that a little bit later in the service. But Christians are, uh, tend to be seen as, you know, bums on a log. We're not the most fun people sometimes. And I don't think that needs to be the case. I think actually we could be the most fun people around because Jesus was pretty fun. He liked to party with his friends. It's why so many people wanted to be near him. Oh, that we could act that way as well. So no matter who you are, no matter how you're joining us, wherever you are, I encourage you now to find a comfortable posture, maybe close your eyes, uh, and just be silent with the Lord for a minute as we continue to prepare for worship. upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful, wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Would you please pray with me? Lord, by you the meek are guided in judgment. And by you, light rises up in the darkness for the godly and the ungodly. Grant us in all our doubts and our uncertainties the grace to ask you what you would have us to do, that the spirit of wisdom may save us from false choices, and that in your light we may see light, and in your path may not stumble. And Lord, we now lift up to you our own prayers, individually, Somewhat corporately, we lift up our own joys and concerns to you this day.
And as you taught us, Lord, so now we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from the first chapter of the Acts to the Apostles, the Acts of the Apostles, Acts 1, verses 6 through 14. As I said before, if you'd like to uh, read through with an online bulletin, you can find it in the description below for uh, this video. It includes our hymns, our prayers, and the scripture. I will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. This is Acts 1, 6 through 14. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the time or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And when he was gone and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew and James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I've been joking the last few months that I'm a Methodist, which means I don't know how to worship without singing, so I've been trying to lead singing all by myself here on Sunday mornings. Uh, I've been using the cajon, which is what I'm going to do right now. Uh, we're going to sing hymn number 64 from the United Methodist Hymnal, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. If you know it, please feel free to join and sing with me from wherever you are. Uh, if you don't know the words, you can find it again on the online bulletin, but this is uh, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Blessed Trinity, 
holy, holy, all the saints adore thee, casting down their golden crowns around the glassy sea. Cherubim and seraphim falling down before thee, which word and ought and evermore shalt be. Holy, 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 though the darkness hide thee, though the eye of sinful man thy glory may not see. Only thou art holy, there is none beside thee, perfect in power, love and purity. shall praise thy name in earth and sky and sea. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Amen. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time you'll restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the time or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You want to hear about Josh, don't you? I mean, everybody wants to know about Josh. It doesn't matter where I go or what I'm doing or even what I'm saying. I always get asked about Josh, which, to be fair, I mean, it makes sense. He turned my life upside down before he did it to the world. So who wouldn't want to know more? The thing is, if you want to know more about Josh, you need to know what my life was like before he showed up in it. I was happy. Well, that's not exactly true. I was really good at making other people think I was happy. You know the whole married, kids, nice job, mortgage, decent neighborhood. Now, I traveled a lot for work back then, and I was a frequent guest at a particular airport bar. I'd be coming in or going out or not really knowing the difference when I would sit down and the bartender knew me so well that he knew to bring my drink over before I could even ask for what it was that I wanted. And it was during one such barstool session that Josh showed up in my life. He sat down right next to me and he said, Pete, you're going to make a killing on this trip. A huge bonus. I can feel it. A huge bonus is coming your way. But friend, I've got even something better for you. Now, to be clear, I had never laid my eyes on this guy in my life. And here he is. He's telling me about my life, telling me about my job, my finances. He's even calling me by my name. And I should have known right then that it wasn't going to be something called normal, but I didn't. And I just kind of wanted to see where it was going. So I said, sure. Makes total sense. Except business has been lousy. And I can't even remember the last time I got a bonus. I don't know, he said. I'm in the miracle work. And I know one when I see one. But again, Pete, 
I've got something better for you, so why don't you go ahead, finish that drink, follow me. I don't really know why what happened happened. Maybe it was that I was on my third of too many drinks that evening, or the fact that he appeared to know more than he should, or maybe it was something else, but I did get up from my bar stool. I followed him straight out of the airport, and honestly, I never really looked back. But again, you, you, don't, you don't want to know about me. You want to know about Josh. You want to know if it's all true, if it all really happened. Well, I can tell you the truth. Not the crazy stuff that went on Twitter or even the low-quality YouTube videos from the so-called eyewitnesses. I was there for all of it. Like the time he fed everyone in the park. Do you know that one? Do you know about that? We'd been with him in this park all day long. He had quite a following up to that point. He talked all day about the strangest things. Some of it sounded nice, but a lot of it didn't make any sense. At least it didn't at the time. He was so good with crowds. I mean, he could just he could just like keep them in the palm of his hand. He knew exactly what to say to raise them up or bring them down or keep them on the edge of their seats. We'd been with him in this park all day. And when he was finished talking, he started walking through all these people. He started touching some of them, and he cured them. He started sitting and listening to those who were lonely or afraid. And it went on for so long that no one wanted to leave. But we were all hungry. And then Josh said, hey, Pete, this is a pretty good-looking crowd today, don't you think? You think we've got about 5,000 with us today? You know, it's too bad we don't have any food to give them. Pizza? Mmm. Pizza sounds nice right about now. I said, pizza? Pizza, Josh, do you know how expensive it is to feed 5,000 people pizza? And he ignored me. He spotted a kid on the other side of the park, walking home with a pizza in his arms, and Josh got up and he ran after the kid. He came back one minute later with the pizza and the kid and said that this boy had agreed to let us borrow his pizza. I mean, who's ever heard of borrowing a pizza? But then he told me to round up everyone in the park and to see how far we could stretch this one pizza out. So I went over and I lifted it up and lo and behold, it's not just a cheese pizza, it's a cheese and anchovies pizza. I mean, who orders something like that? Anyway, I grabbed two slices and I started walking to the next closest person thinking, God, what is he up to? This is never going to work. 5,000 5, people, one pizza. So I took those two pieces and I gave them to the next closest person. And I went back to the box and when I opened it up, it was still full. I thought at first maybe something was wrong with my eyes. So I grabbed two more pieces and I went to the next person. And again, when I went back to the box, it was full. So we kept doing it over and over and over until... Everyone in the park had been fed. You know, by the end of it, it was clear what had happened. At first, people had just sort of assumed that the slices were being passed out of the middle of the park where maybe a whole boatload of pizzas had been delivered. But then word got around that it was Josh, that Josh had fed this entire park full of people with just one box of cheese and anchovy pizza. They started calling it the greatest miracle of all time. They started saying things like, Josh should be elected to run for office. Maybe he should be even in the White House with the kind of powers that he had. You know, and that's, that's when everything really started to change. 
Because up until that point, Josh seemed pretty content for his miracles at times to be a substitute for his message. But after the pizza, that powerful pizza moment, he was convinced that any miracle would give the crowds the wrong impression. He started talking about his death a lot. And none of us really listened. We were too filled with our own pizza or whatever other story he had told us. And even when he talked about a new order and the first being last and the last being first, it all sounded nice, but it couldn't quite compare with you know, a sick kid getting better or people walking away from their wheelchairs forever. But like I said, everything changed with the pizza. He started talking about his death all the time. And the more he talked about his death, the more those crowds started to dwindle. I mean, they waited and waited for a miracle, and most of the time all they got was hot air. He started telling all these stories that really just didn't make sense. He told a story about a man who had been abandoned by the side of the road, and the only person who stopped to help him was a homeless man himself. He told this other story about a dad who sold the family business and took the proceeds, gave it to his younger son. The younger son took it to Vegas, threw it all away, and then came home penniless. And what's the dad do? He throws him a party. I mean, I couldn't blame the crowds for leaving. Here's this guy fixing the hunger problem, filling the bellies of thousands. Why couldn't he run for office? Why couldn't he fix all sorts of other things? And every time I brought it up with him, Josh just said the same thing. How doing those little miracles, it wouldn't solve anything. That even giving people food, they'd still die eventually. He'd start talking about a new kind of food. A food that would really fill the world. In fact, one time he said that unless we were all filled with him, we would stay dead forever. But if we fed on him, he would raise us from death for good. Now, I know, I, I, I know, what you really want to know is, where is he now? I can see it, I can see it, I know you're tired. You just want to know, if he did all these important and incredible and amazing things, where is he now? Why did he leave if there's still so much work to be done? That's honestly what I wondered at first, too, until I started to really think about everything it was that he said and he did. You know, his final earthly act was just as bizarre and paradoxical as his very bizarre and paradoxical life. At that point, he had already been killed. He had already been raised from the dead. He'd been with us for 40 days after that, talking to us about the stuff that we had already gone over for three years. When one day he woke up and he said, hey, let's go for a hike. We said, sure, Josh, we filled our bags with sandwiches and water and we headed out for the woods. We hiked and we hiked until we came to a clearing. And he stopped. And he looked up in the sky. He said, it's time for me to go. One of us said, wait, 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 wait a minute. What do you mean it's time for you to go? Go where? And he said, it's time for me to reign with my father in heaven. Another one of us said, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, look, Josh, if you're going to do something good, if you're going to do something really cool and amazing, can we at least call the local news station so they can get a camera out here? And I, I know you're not the most patient type. If not that, can I at least get my phone and put this on Facebook Live so other people see it? And he said, no. Listen to me, you fools. I know this doesn't make sense to you. I know that a lot of this, in fact, all of this has been weird, but I'm leaving, and I'm not 
really leaving. It's time for me to rule over the cosmos, but I'm sending you another one soon. I want you to get it through your thick skulls one last time. The world depends on it. The new order does not come because you or anyone else can do anything to make it happen. I myself am the new order. It's in me. It is me. It's in you. When I ascend, I am taking the whole world with me, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. We were silent. We didn't really know what he meant, but we just stood there, and we watched him, and we listened. And he looked up again, and he said, I know. I know it won't seem like it right now, but this is nothing new. I am simply making manifest what I've been doing all along. No meddling, divine or human, spiritual or material, moral or immoral, can save the world. Your salvation is already here. It's in me. The only thing you have to do is trust me. And it was at that moment that he started to float. It was subtle, just a few inches off the ground, but it was clear that he was no longer with us. Listen, he said, we don't have long, and you have work to do. But it's not the work you think. It's not your job to fix or to save anyone. Hell, it's not your job to fix or save yourselves. All you need to do is go. Go and tell everyone you meet what you've seen and what you've heard. Tell them the good news. Tell them they're forgiven. And when they don't believe you, because believe me, they're not going to believe you, tell them again. And then tell them one more time. And then tell them again and again and again. You tell them again and again until it seeps into the marrow of their very bones. Tell them I've gone and done for them what they could never do for themselves. Tell them they're saved. Tell them, and don't let them ever forget. And he was gone. Like he vanished into thin air. We were all stupefied. We just kept standing there like a bunch of idiots, looking around this clearing in the middle of a forest, hoping against hope that maybe it was just a, a trick of the light until we realized that he was really gone. But the strangest thing of all, Stranger than even seeing him disappear was that it didn't feel like he was gone. It felt like he was still there, right with us. <laughs> and that's when the two crazy bearded men came tumbling out of the woods. And they said, what the hell are you doing here standing around looking up in the sky? Didn't you hear what he just said? Go! You've got a job to do! And I've been doing it ever since. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Would you please pray with me? Grant, we pray, Lord, that as your Son ascended into heaven, we may also in heart and mind ascend there with him as well, and with him continually dwell. Give us the strength to confess and to know the Lordship of the One, who reigns with you now and forever, such that we might see how our truest citizenship isn't here, but is in heaven. And all God's people say, Amen. God gathers us together, God proclaims God's word, and we respond to what God has said. We respond with the giving of ourselves, 
our time, our prayers, our effort. We also respond with the giving of our tithes and our offerings. I encourage you as you feel led to give with glad and generous hearts to Cokesbury United Methodist Church. You can uh, give by uh, clicking the link in this descri the description of our video, uh, giving online. You can give by sending us uh, a check in the mail or coming by our church and dropping off your offering in the drop slot we have by the main office doors. But give, give so that we might be able to continue to do this and so many other things, going and telling the story that has been told to us such that it might never be stamped out, no matter where it is found, that all might come to know the goodness of God's grace. One of the other ways that we respond to what God has said is with an affirmation of our faith. So one of the things we like to do here at Cokesbury is affirm our faith using the Apostles' Creed. If you are not familiar with the words, you can find it on our online bulletin. Uh, but join me in affirming our faith using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Each week I've been trying to think of imaginative ways for us to respond uh, in the week in between our Sundays to what has happened on Sunday. And this week I want us to think about the power of laughter. C.S. Lewis wrote in his incredible book, The Screwtape Letters, that the one thing the devil could not endure was being laughed at. The unquenchable joy of Christians, even in the midst of something like our present circumstances, is one of the most remarkable things to ever exist in the cosmos. We know how the story ends, which means we've been freed from all sorts of things, all sorts of shackles that the world and even we ourselves have put on us. It means that we can laugh because we've got the best news of all. So this week, I encourage you, find a way to laugh. Spin an old comedy record on that dust-covered turntable you have or search on YouTube for a video of your favorite comedian or turn on your favorite Mel Brooks movie. I don't know, but do something, anything to make yourself laugh at least once this week. Or as Karl Barth once put it, Laughter is the closest thing to the grace of God. So find a way this week to laugh. And now I would like to offer a final prayer, blessing, and benediction until we join again next week. So go forth with this blessing and benediction. May the God of grace and glory, God of the beginning and the end, the God of life and of death and of resurrection, help you to see and know and believe that the good news really is good that you are forgiven, that there is nothing you have to do to be saved because you already are. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. See you next week. Same time, same place.